Thanks for joining us today. I'll be interviewing Matthew Klein, who is the founder and CEO of Collective Two. If you haven't heard about Collective Two, Collective Two is a company seeking to replace the entire hedge fund industry with an online platform that connects investors with talented investment strategy managers from all over the world. This interview is not going to be your traditional interview. I'm not going to be asking too many softball questions. But before I get into the more difficult questions, uh, Matthew, where do you see Collective Two in the next 10 years? This is like the Tom Cruise movie. Uh, what, what is it? Live and live and die again. You know, the one where he's repeating the same day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wakes up, he dies, he wakes up, he does yeah. it over again. By the way, that movie is brilliant. And I recommend that to you. But that's not I've okay. seen it twice. <laughs> yeah, it's good, right? Yeah, I forget its title. But um, yeah, I think it is one of those movies where they actually changed the title. I think it, uh, the studios eventually changed the title to Live, Die, Repeat or something like that. Uh -huh. But it was originally like Tomorrow, Tomorrow Again. Anyway, who cares what I think? But it's just weird that they changed the name of the movie after it was released. Well, okay. So Collective Two, we've been around for 20 years, right? So another 10 years, hopefully I'm still around just physically on planet Earth. But assuming that I am, uh, where do I see Collective Two? I think, you know, what I've seen over the last five years, in particular six years, seven years, is that we've been, we've been growing um, steadily. And it's not because of any, you know, marketing genius on my part or our company's part. It's just that I think it's an idea whose time has come and that more and more people kind of look at what we're doing and say, it's, that's interesting. Um, and so I think if you follow that trajectory to where it extends a few years from now, it'll be more people doing this thing we call Collective Two on both sides of our equation. There'll be more people providing their strategies and their trading ideas and their concepts. And there will be more people um, taking advantage of those ideas and trying to deploy them in their brokerage accounts. There's a general consensus among people that think about these sorts of things that active investing is dead right everyone talks about passive investing passive this passive that there's huge flows into passive etfs and and for listeners and who don't know what passive means i mean essentially it's been a movement over the last decade where more and more investor money is just simply trying to track an index. People have essentially given up on the concept of trying to beat the market um, because all the academic research says you can't beat the market. In fact, it's incredibly stupid to try to beat the market. So therefore what you need to do is just be the market, like literally track the market with the lowest expenses possible. And in the end, over a long enough time frame, you will do as well as the market does. You'll do as well as you possibly can, probabilistically speaking. So there's been this, you know, this huge secular trend of of less and less active managers. So what you know, 20 years ago when I was just starting, everyone was talking about Peter Lynch and active investing and buying companies you know and love and just trying to predict where the market's going to go. And now um, the only thing that people do is like find the lowest cost ETF provider to track the, the S&P 500. So that's sort of the that's the general trend that everyone recognizes. 
But I think that contrary to the way you, you might think that that affects collective too, I think exactly the opposite is, is the case. I think that as active investing becomes more, a less important part of people's portfolio, right? I mean, if you have $100,000 in your brokerage account and you want to invest it, most of that should and will go to passive investing in various broad-based ETFs or um, strategies that are uh, low-cost strategies that are just generally trying to track the market. But because so much of your portfolio is, is dedicated now to that um, passive investing strategy, I think that in the what it means is that for companies like Collective2 or ideas like Collective2, which really are essentially, let's call it active, active investing, very active investing. Um, it's, the, it's the idea that there are these market anomalies. There are these uh, people that are smarter than the market. There are these formulas that can sometimes for limited periods of time beat the market. If you want to do all that you can, I think the best idea might be to put most of your eggs in the basket of passive um, and then a small amount of your eggs in this crazy thing we call collective two. So to answer your question, Roman, I think overall that I think we'll continue to grow and just more and more people will discover and benefit from collective two. Well, you answered, I think, uh, a couple of the questions I, I had for you uh, after that. So, oh, so we're all done. <laughs> I think we're all set. All yeah. Today. yeah. Uh, so I guess my next question is, uh, I've sort of been tracking some of the most popular strategy managers on Collective2, and there's sort of about a half dozen of them that have sort of the longest, have been around the longest, have gained the most popularity uh, amongst in investors. And my question is, why don't we, why don't you make collective to, why don't you make the requirements to become a collective to strategy managers more stringent so that more people are led to those top performing strategies? Well, that is essentially the entire objection to collective two on you know i mean you can state your question in various ways and and different people ask it in different ways and and with different slants but at the end of the day ultimately everyone's question is that it's that you know you can say well why don't you make the standards for strategy managers more uh, rigorous or stringent or vet them more carefully or l only let in certain numbers of people or only present certain numbers of people. You know, there's a whole way you can kind of say what you just said or ask what you just said. It's a completely legitimate question. Uh, but the answer is that that is the whole reason for Collective Two, which is the idea that there, I want to be, I want to be thoughtful about how I say this. I'm not saying that just about anyone in the world and their pet monkey can trade and is a good investor or manager of other people's assets or of a provider of trading signals. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that the screening methods that we have been using for the last seven decades and the way we have vetted and, you know, fenced off the world of finance and and investing from from many people that is essentially the thing that is is making it worse for people in some sense 
if you e extract the people who do stuff from the actual results they achieve, then who cares who the people are really? Um, and I guess what I mean to say is like, I have been asked that a lot. Like people say to me, when I first tell them about Collective 2, it almost sounds, I don't know, almost weirdly dangerous. Like people will say, you mean you let anyone on the internet provide trade signal, you know, buy and sell advice or publish their trading strategies? Anyone on the internet, anyone in the, anywhere in the world, and anyone can follow that with real money? Who would do that? That's insane. That is the general uh, objection, right? And I know that's not exactly what you said. I think you had a slight, slightly more n nuanced and, th and thought to it, but, but if I'll just deal with the most radical position first, and then we can, we can talk about your actual question about vetting people. I guess the, the, the short answer is this, that, or, or not so short really, but the answer is that um, at the end of the day, the results speak for themselves. So if you think that the process of vetting people and making sure they're gold star, top notch, if you think that, um, it's important to vet people and to make sure that they are, you know, as I said, like gold star certified approved people, providers of strategies, then actually there's no reason to have collected to because we already have that system. It's called hedge funds. It's called, you know, registration with the various um, regulators. It's called um, going to Harvard and, and being hired by a quant. Uh, hedge fund like Two Sigma and then going off and then opening up your own shop. I mean, we have that whole process of vetting and and thoughtful analysis and making sure people went to Harvard and are quantitatively astute and understand statistics. That whole process exists today. Uh, we don't need Collective Two to do just do a shittier job of that same thing, right? What, what are we going to do? We're going to look at the people and say, oh, yeah, these people are not quite Harvard and not quite Two Sigma, but they're pretty good. So we'll put them up on our site. I think actually the whole thing is, I, I think the results someone achieves doing this business are completely orthogonal to who they are and what their background is. So to answer your question, just focusing purely on the people that are the strategy providers at Collective2, I would not put my money behind someone who just set up on Collective2 for the first day. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's, that's crazy. On the other hand, if someone comes to Collective2 and has a track record that's six months long, nine months long, Hell, eight weeks long. I don't know. I mean, we can debate that in a second. If they have a track record, that track record speaks for itself. That's a track record that they built on the site. They didn't game it. You know, they literally called the market going forward. They didn't say, oh, here's what I would have, should have, could have done. If I'd only thought about it, I, I, yeah, that would have been my strategy. They're literally posting their recommendations in real time and we're tracking it. So if you have those results, I think I don't know. To me, that seems more valuable than knowing where the guy, you know, went to school or what his real name is or whether he lives in his mother's basement or whether he's, you know, a computer geek. I just to me, it just doesn't matter. So your question more specifically, Roman, was like, why don't we just kind of have a, a higher level of screening of not, not not only the people behind the strategies, but the strategies themselves, I guess you were saying, like, why not only offer the top 20 strategies or, or something like that. Did I, am I, are, am I articulating your question 
accurately, more or less? Yeah, I wasn't necessarily uh, referring to vetting the the person's qualifications outside of Collective 2. I was just saying you could take the top maybe X performers on Collective 2 over a certain period of time and then just sort of restrict investors to only see those top performing strategies. And when you, I'm going to press you on this, What? who are the top performers? What metric would you use exactly? So, well, for me personally, I like to see at least a couple years of track records. Okay. I like to see a low drawdown over that period of time. Or well, I mean, I guess my point is just, you can find a low, I want to be careful about my terminology because it's it's so laden with meaning and, and, and uh, but I'm going to use the, the term low risk. You can find a low risk strategy. And of course, I'll just say there's really no such thing as low risk. There's a lot of different risk that's hidden and not obvious. So things that look like they're low risk are, maybe there is actual risk that just only comes once every hundred years. Um, but, but, but I guess my point is you can take a strategy, you can find strategies that are low risk if that's what you want. I mean, it doesn't take more than a few mouse clicks. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I guess, yeah, to, to sort of, to, to build on my objection to your point, I mean, if you are a person who is nearing retirement and cannot, you know, only is willing to lose a, uh, money, a small amount of money at a very low probability, are all of the strategies on Collective 2 appropriate? N no, maybe none of them are. Um, but there's a spectrum of people, right? There's that, mm -hmm. there's that person. And then there's a young person who's working at Facebook and making $300,000 as a product manager and, you know, has an extra $100,000 sitting around that they're like, well, Let's see what happens. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw it away, but I might as well let me try. I'll try a high risk strategy. I'm willing to have a drawdown greater than twenty percent, because you know, I mean, some people recognize. I I believe that drawdown. You know, that number, uh, the drawdown of a strategy, how much it goes up and down, the variability of it, is directly uh, correlated to the the uh, medium to long term return. I mean, you can very definitely um, earn, uh, I, well, let me say it in reverse. You can minimize drawdowns uh, generally, but at the cost of the ultimate potential upside of the return. So, I mean, I guess there's this, you know, there's the spectrum of people and needs and wants. And I understand like um, someone coming to the site looks at it and says, this is preposterous. Who wouldn't? You have 10,000 strategies on, or, well, not 10,000, you have a thousand strategies on Collective 2 and 500 of them are dog shit. Like who's going to subscribe to this? Well, number one, sometimes you find some gold in the turds because eventually they turn around and they become quite good. So why snuff them out early? And number two, not everyone shares the same metrics that you share and the same values. It depends on your stage in life, your risk tolerance, et cetera, et cetera. So I understand your objection. And I think you once, uh, you know, prior to turning on this recording, you said to me, this was a big objection of one of your knowledgeable friends. Right. He was like, well, why, why would you allow a thousand strategies? Why not carefully select? Them? I, I mean, I do want to say it's not like we are completely hands off in this. When you go to Amazon and you shop for anything, it's not like the, the products that are sold on the Amazon web browser, which is like 
800 pixels by whatever, 300 pixels. Like it's not random. It's not like some guys just throwing stuff up and seeing what products are there. There's real science behind what products are listed first and second and third. And sometimes it has to do with sponsorships or payments, but oftentimes it's based on what Amazon thinks you will like based on what it knows about you. And very similarly, you know, at Collective 2, we're not just like, oh, let's see, let's use the random number generator to, to, to fill the screen with strategies. No, actually, we do actually make an effort to meet the needs of that sort of average person that you just mentioned. Like, would the average person really want to invest in a strategy that's three days old and has already had a drawdown of 50%? Uh, no. And that's why you don't really see those strategies like in your face every time you go to collect it to. Are they on the platform? Can you find them? Yes. But generally, if you go to the collective to what we call the leaderboard, you know, we have to present the strategies in some kind of order, right? So the order we present them is like the order we think a reasonable person with reasonable risk tolerance, reasonable ability to withstand losses, what would that person want to see? Now, my personal philosophy is probably very different than other people's and in particular about the age of the strategies. Like you mentioned, Roman, that like you would you personally would only subscribe to a strategy or, or follow a strategy that had a few years track record. And I don't know if you want to have that discussion now. That is something I feel very strongly differently about, and I'm happy to articulate it, but maybe you want to talk about it at a different time. I mean, I, I feel I see that a lot of at least for the strategies that are public, I see a lot of AUM gravitating toward a small number, maybe half a dozen strategies. And I think the vast majority of investors coming onto the C2 platform for the first time, they have no idea that these five or six strategies are the bulk of the assets under management. And I feel like they should know that. Well, that's a slightly different criticism or request. I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is, hey, there's some really important information on the collective platform that's not immediately obvious or easy to find or know. And it sounds like what you're saying is the, the AUM of what we call AUM on the platform, but essentially the number of dollars, real life dollars that are following any given strategy. Isn't that important to know that you're saying? And we don't make it terribly easy to find that out. Although the information is available, but yeah, to your, to be candid with you, it's not something we, we, sh we shove in people's faces. And I have a reason for that, which I can explain why I don't think, uh, why I think that is actually counterproductive, but I don't want to seem argumentative about it. I mean, it's a fair point. I guess my, my observation about AUM in particular, there are all sorts of ways to decide what strategies to follow, right? Matthew Klein, the owner of Collective 2, can spend a lot of time and energy hiring quantitative people to do analysis and research and decide which strategies to present to people, to the general public. That's one way. Um, letting people poke around the site and kind of look at the different metrics of what matters to them. Like, oh, uh, to your point, like drawdown, very important to me. I only want to find strategies that don't have this high variability with big drawdowns. Or, you know, again, like you, Roman, maybe there are people who say, oh, strategy age, very important to me. I only want to look at those strategies. Those are all completely valid ways in my mind to, number one, search for strategies and, and from the other side of the equation to decide what to present to people. But then here's where I draw the line. I just think it's completely meaningless 
to tell people what everyone else is doing. Like, in fact, it, I mean, it has no real bearing on anything. Um, and at low numbers is statistically suspect because, you know, you could get uh, a very large account deciding to follow one strategy, who knows why, maybe it's his brother or whatever. And then suddenly, why is that important? Like out of all the things you could choose to make important to, to help, uh, to show people, to help them decide what to follow, like what the rest of humanity is doing on the collective platform is to me the least meaningful and has very weird, non-obvious feedback loops that I wanna prevent. So the feedback loops I'm talking about are, I've been at this a long time, 20 years, right? Building Collective 2 and I've seen it all. So there was a time in the company's history where we were much less thoughtful about how, what sequence we presented strategies in. And we like would just do like the default sorting algorithm when you came to the site for the first time, like what fills the screen that first 10 slots when you are looking for strategies was just simply like, okay, annual return. Why not? Right? That's a good, if you're going to choose one stat, just choose the annual return. Okay. Well, of course, what does that do? It encourages crazy, reckless behavior from mm -hmm. strategy managers. It, it gets the newbie, non-experienced users to start following these strategies. Suddenly there's AUM behind those strategies, attracting more. It was like mm -hmm. a feedback loop of, uh, of, you know, following the Pied Piper off the cliff. It was, it was mm -hmm. still so I, I mean, I get it. Like part of me is a big believer, the more data, the more transparency, the better. But in, on some level, you know, you have to make decisions about what data you highlight and make the default view. So I made the decision. I don't think AUM is important. And I think it flies contrary to my overarching philosophy about why does collective to work at all if it does there are very brilliant smart people much smarter than me much more credentialed than me that just say there is no way to beat the market don't even try i mean there are a lot of people with fancy abbreviations after their name on their business card who say that and i have a very different theory and i believe that it is possible to beat the market but the reason i have that theory is tightly wound up in 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 this question and i guess i'll just cut to the chase and, and say it like i think that market anomalies do exist i think that there are patterns in markets i believe human beings react to how other human beings act it's a it's a feedback loop mm -hmm. that's why we see cycles of euphoria and then fear and greed and passion in the markets i believe that there mm -hmm. are these cycles that are non-explainable on 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 some time frame or not explainable through an economic lens and so therefore if you agree to those statements that i said i mean mm -hmm. i think some people would agree to them then it's quite valid to believe that a strategy that is six months old can beat the market like in fact if you really think about it, you're more likely to find a strategy that beats the market to be six months old than, than not. If you want to find a strategy, if you want to try to beat the market, I mean, there are different ways to do it. You can invest in a hedge fund um, that, you know, has a, a billion dollars of assets under management and has, hires the best quants in the world. And they are probably able to find a lot of anomalies. But, but you know, the thing about those guys is they have a lot of money to deploy 
All right. Mm-hmm. So um, when you're deploying one billion, two billion, ten, twenty billion dollars, it's not worth your while to find a an an- a market anomaly that's going to only exist for a few months and only can support a few million dollars of investor assets. Right. Mm-hmm. So my whole theory is. I believe that the opportunity, the, the reason why Collective 2 theoretically can and do, can work, and I think does, is because there are these market opportunities, but they're quite small in the context of how much liquidity mm-hmm. is there, right? If you find a strategy that trades Apple, right, it, the stock Apple, um, and you know, you Apple stock, there's a lot of shares that get traded every day. And you can, if you find a magic formula to decide when to buy and sell Apple, you can support billions of dollars probably of investor capital following that formula. Mm-hmm. Probably there is no market formula for Apple that does that. However, I'd be more inclined to bet that if you're gonna find a, 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 an opportunity, it's gonna be for you know smaller stocks, less, um, obvious uh, market opportunities that can only support a few million dollars, not a few billion. Hedge funds aren't finding them. Hedge funds don't care. So what's left? Oh, oh, the the one thousand dudes on Collective Two who are not credentialed and vetted, but are you know their track records speak for themselves. So like this is a uh, an overarching kind of theory of mine, and it, it's one of the puzzle pieces. Like I, I'm not out to find credentialed people. Um, not only am I not out to find credentialed people to run the strategies, I believe that the the threshold for m- meaningfulness is much lower than probably most people like you. You probably, I think you even overtly said it, you're looking for track records that are one year, two year, three years old. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. But what are the chances really that there are these methodologies that capture market anomalies that exist for three years and can support a lot of capital? I think they're quite... I, I think it's there are not a lot of them. Whereas I believe there are many, many more strategies that are small opportunities that that kind of fleet in and out of existence as market dynamics change, as psychology changes, as fear, greed, euphoria, depression. Um, and I believe there are some people that can capture these. The you know that's a, one more aspect of this. I believe that if you create a trading strategy on collective two, you may be the man for the certain moment, right? You may be able to create a trading strategy that's working right now during when we're recording it, uh, coming out of uh, maybe a banking crisis, right? Is it gonna be a banking crisis? I don't know, but maybe there will be one, maybe there is one, maybe it's gonna last for three or four months and maybe there's some dude in, I don't know, in you know Florida right now, who, for whatever reason, he's really good at handling, he kind of innately understands the psychology or the market trends of banking crises or whatever. And he creates a strategy on Collective Two and he's a three month track record and it's looking pretty good. Take advantage of it. So it's a li- I'm being a little bit flippant, but I think there is a real kernel of, of truth there. Yeah, and I think you brought up a really good point about creating feedback loops that might've been good for the first few uh, investors who signed up to a strategy, but maybe AUM isn't the best metric to use. Maybe just overall popularity, like how many investors are following yeah, the strategies still, might be a little better. Maybe but. probably faces very similar problems. The track records that we present on Collective 2 are, are called and prominently labeled hypothetical track records. That's a sort of a term of art 
and uh, an important term in terms of the regulations that we work under at Collective Two and we have to abide by. Um, they're hypothetical in the sense that like, uh, when we show you a track record, there's no single person or account that got those all those trades at exactly those prices, etc. But it's a very different kind of hypothetical track record than what I think most people were used to before Collective Two. So in the in the old days before I want to say before Collective Two, but maybe I, I should just say before the internet or whatever. In the old days of um, trading strategies, what people would do when personal computers first came about is they were like, oh, I can create this automated strategy and test it on historical data and see how I would have done if I had bought when the moving average went below X or sell when it goes above. And they'd create these track records and they'd be like, oh my God, these are brilliant. Look, at, if I'd only followed these rules, I would have made you know 40% uh, a year, brilliant track record. And they'd, they'd kind of sell their trading methodologies on, uh, in the old days in newspaper ads or magazines or whatever on radio, I don't even know. And you know, that kind of got a bad rap because there's a lot that's wrong with that methodology. Number one, you know, to create one one of those hypothetical track records of using backtesting, you might have thrown away 20 of them, right? <laughs> and then you're just, maybe it's just fitting, curve fitting or whatever. Yeah. So, so of course, um, rightly, I mean, I think the U.S. and most Western countries have regulations about how we characterize these track records that are hypothetical, that aren't real. No real money was used, so they're not they're not real and we have to label them prominently as that, which is fair and, and what we do at Collected 2. But on the other hand, actually the track records on Collected 2 are slightly different than that. And what they are is they're, number one, they're go forward testing. So what that means is, go forward track records. What that means is when someone runs a strategy on Collected 2, they literally have to publicly commit to saying, I'm hereby buying, I'm recommending buying Apple stock right now. I'm recommending selling Microsoft right now. You don't get to change your mind. Okay, are there, do you have to necessarily continue to market your track record forever? No, you can, you can kind of hide it or not hide it exactly, but make it less prominent and dot, dot, dot. But the point is like, number one, one of the very different things about the whole collectitude track record is, even before you have a single subscriber following your strategy, it's a go forward track record. And then the reason I wanted to bring this up in the first place is to just say like, then this, this is a really cool thing that happens, which is once you begin to have followers uh, to your strategy using our, what we call auto trade, where you can actually use real life capital and have trades placed automatically in your brokerage account, we are able to track all of the brokerage accounts that are following a strategy using our technology, we use those prices of what the vast, you know, what did all the people following the strategy actually buy Apple at? What did they actually sell it at? And we use those prices in the hypothetical track record. So it's, yes, it's hypothetical. It's not a real life track record in the, in the, in the sense that most of us understand it, but it does use real life fills to make up the data. And why am I mentioning that? Why is that important in the context of what we were saying? Well, what begins to happen is there are strategies on Collective Two that actually they perform really well and they start performing well and their track records go up uh, and they're attracting new subscribers on the collective platform and more and more people are auto trading it and more capital is following it and then you begin to see something really interesting 
Well, the results begin to kind of level off a little bit. And, and there could be all sorts of reasons for that. Maybe the thing never, maybe the thing just isn't working anymore. Maybe the market's changed. Maybe it was a not real, a real thing over time. Who knows? But one of the big things that actually happens quite a bit is that so much capital begins following the strategy that it's, to use your term, it's arbitraged away. They're the opportunities, the liquidity goes down. So people that used to get really good prices when they bought, they're not getting those good prices anymore because now there's a, a hundred, several hundred, who knows, people all trading that strategy of a lot of capital following it. So I believe in some sense, you know, that's not, it's not the greatest news of all to report that, that like, oh, there are a lot of strategies on Collective 2 that work pretty well and then, but they only support a small amount of capital. But I believe it, it actually supports my, my point, which is that there are these opportunities and, but they're small and they're fleeting and they begin to disappear. So I believe it is possible using a platform like Collective 2, I wanna say using only Collective 2, but okay, using a platform like Collective 2, to find these small opportunities, these strategies that support, you know, a modest amount of capital and deploy your capital in them quickly. And then as they begin to degrade and not perform well, you choose another one, choose another one, choose another one, layer them on top of each other. So we make it, we have a, you know, our, we're not like the greatest user interface designers in the world or anything, but we make it so that, you know, an average person can choose strategies fairly easily, can deploy capital, can move from one strategy to another. He doesn't have to call up his broker and be like, oh, switch strategies. You know, you just click here and switch the strategy. So that's yet another reason why, you know, all sort of this overarching philosophy. That's why I'm not really thinking it's such a great idea to, vet, you know, have this very tight filter on the strategies that are visible to people. I believe if you subscribe to my theory, my theory is that there are billion dollar hedge funds that are going to capture all the really great opportunities for billions of dollars. But then there are the little tiny opportunities for the rest of us, right? And by little tiny, I don't mean like $500. I mean, you know, if you have a couple hundred thousand dollars, there's an opportunity for you to follow a strategy. Uh, $50,000 here, 100 there, 30 there. So they're small in the cosmic scheme of things, but you can stack it. If we can build a platform where there's lots of these things, lots of these opportunities that kind of pop into existence, pop out of existence, and we make it easy to kind of unearth them, to find them, and to quickly deploy modest amounts of capital into them. I think that's a winning formula. That's what I think Collective 2 is. And that's why I'm not sitting around saying, oh, no, no, you're you're not qualified to be on our leaderboard. You haven't done the thing you need to do, or you don't have the right background, or your track record's not long enough. No. I think that, you know, within reason, there's lots of opportunities. Sometimes you're going to be super wrong about them, and you're going to lose money, maybe all of it. But sometimes you'll be right. And if, you, if you're right more often than wrong, and you have enough opportunities, there's something there. And that's, that's what Collective 2 is all about. So I'm not into the gatekeeping. I want everyone to use the platform. I want everyone to come to it. I want every strategy manager who has an idea in his head or her head, go ahead, put it out there. And you know, you can't, you know, it's your track record, it's public. Show us, show us what you got and let us decide. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, I guess I, I have possibly a, a different view. I kind of think that it's more likely that given a large number of strategies, you will always be able to find 10 or 20 that are really outperforming in the short term. Well, number one, I should say, 
It is the question. It's the interesting question that uh, a reasonably, I won't say cynical, but a careful, thoughtful person would ask, right? And so there has to be an answer for it. What I would just say is, you know, I'm not gonna talk specifically about how you personally are using the, the automation of the smart portfolios because I don't really know what the formula is and, you know, there are ways you can design different formulas and there's no, yeah, se sure. no secret sauce that guarantees profits. But I, I, but I do wanna say that I think your, your main point is a really good one. And if I can restate it in my own words, I think what you're saying is this. You're saying, oh, Matthew, hey, very cool answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of little opportunities that pop in, pop out of existence. And you want to quick switch to the next strategy quickly and see what the opportunities are. But no, no, hey, hang on one second. You have a thousand strategies on the platform. At any one time, there's going to be some random schmuck who's going to be hot for whatever reason. And that's who you're picking. And that is, uh, there are no real winners there unless, you, that's why you can't rely on strategies with a short-term track record because there's always gonna be a winner in the short-term. It's much harder to curve fit in the long-term. And I think that's your point. And I think that is the question in finance. I mean, and on, on different levels, like that's the question. And it's not only, it, it's like the question about, Every problem question slash we haven't or observation we haven't financed is like what is significant and what's not. What is statistically significant? What is significant in, in different ways? And again, I, I've I, I've spent a, a a frightening portion of my life in this field, and that is the question that you're always asking yourself in every everything you do. So my observation is. There's no answer that's really super great that I can deliver on a, you know, on an audio recording or a video recording to the average, you know, that's going to sound interesting to someone sitting and listening. So I'm just going to speak in, in kind of broad generalities and just say, like, I think there exists some line between noise and meaning, right? There's some random schmuck who's, you know, there's a, to use the proverbial, there's a monkey throwing darts right at the at the <laughs> stock yeah. listing page we don't have stock uh pages in newspapers anymore but we used to and there was an old you know joke about all you need is to have a monkey throw the dart and whatever it lands in is what the broker recommends ha 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 and sometimes there's gonna be a monkey that's super lucky or successful well yeah but guess what there's um, there's a thousand monkeys that are running million dollar billion dollar hedge funds is uh is bridgewater a monkey i don't know you tell me if you go to collect two right now and you go to our leaderboard and you sort on the leaderboard by the age of the strategy there are strategies on our leaderboard that are 18 years old. I mean, like 18 years is older than my son, man. It's crazy. I've been doing this for eight, but there are strategies that are 16 years old. There's strategies that are 12 years old. If you, and those strategies, I, I think they have worked for 16 years and I'm pretty sure they're going to work for the next 16 years. So why doesn't everyone use those strategies? Well, here's why, because if you look at those strategies, there are fairly significant drawdowns in those strategies where basically there's a trade-off in life and all these things the trade-off in those strategies is strategies that work over very long periods of time have larger variability over over meaningful periods in that strategy so if you have a strategy that works for 18 years sure that's great 
But guess what? During those 18 years, there was a period where in 12 months it stunk up the place. Okay. Looking back on it, everyone's going to say, yeah, but it's, that's fine. It's an 18 year strategy. I don't care if 12. Yeah. Well, no, it turns out in real life, most people, they can't handle those 12 months. In real life, most hedge funds have redemptions if they stink up the place after, you know, six months. That's why they, they don't allow you to redeem. Um, everyone can talk a great game about, oh, long-term vision, longer. Long-term vision is for people that aren't managing real money. When you have, it's your dollars and your real, your, your real money, you're not gonna sit around for 12 months while that thing draws down by 40%. And on, on with the confidence that, yeah, 18 years, I got a great. So I think, you know, I think depending on your time frame and how you're observing the market, are you looking at, you know, when you look at, when you draw the, the charts of the market performance in the S&P, you know, you can choose your bar, your bar size, right? Are we looking at minute bars, hours, weeks, days, you know, months? I mean, I think that if you look at strategies with very small granularity, you do have a lot of data. So just to use my point, like, I mean, you say, to, you say to me, Matthew, a strategy that lasted three months, how valid can that be? And my answer is, I don't know. I don't know. But I know there's, there's, there's thousands of bars of minute data in those three months, right? I know that the market regime has been very consistent in those three months. Like, we're now in a market regime where the Fed is tightening, right? whatever that means. I don't even know. But assume that that's a regime that's going to continue for the next, I don't know, three or six months. That seems like a fair guess to me. Okay. In, I believe it's perfectly valid to assume you're going to have a strategy that, that performs fine during that market regime of Fed tightening. But guess what? The minute that the Fed changes its regime and decides to increase liquidity, I think that strategy is going to stop working. So, I mean, I, I just, I, I guess you're, you're pointing out as a, Criticism of Collective 2, something that is just a criticism of finance in general. It, you just don't know. You don't know what, what your significance is. You don't really know how many observations you're looking at because it's not really about minute bars or week bars or, or hour bars or whatever. It's about the market regime. It's about the market psychology. How long will it last? How long won't it last? So I, I'm, just, I'm just not a believer that actually physical time, like the time that's on the calendar or the time that's on the clock, is the meaningful thing here that we have to consider in terms of determining statistical robustness. I just am not sure about that. I mean, obviously, if you take it to an extreme level, an absurd level, if you find a, quote, strategy that's been working for the last 15 minutes, would you have a ton of confidence about it? I don't know, probably not. But then again, you know what? Actually, who knows? Maybe if uh, you and me, Roman, after this uh, interview, we get to put our heads together and we write an AI that just generates a strategy every every 15 minutes about the last 14 minutes of data. Maybe I would put a lot of you know credence in it. Who knows? I'm just going to point out rather than persuading you about that I have the right answer. I'll just simply persuade, I'd hope to persuade you that I don't think anyone in finance has that answer. That there's always this question, this arbitrary question of, are, are we just looking at a lucky dude? Because, you know, there are 10,000 hedge funds that started up over the last decade. And yeah, now we have the Bridgewaters and the Two Sigmas and, and the Renaissances. And those guys are obviously super successful and super, super this and super that, but are they the lucky monkeys? Are you sure? 
I mean, maybe they're just really great dart throwers. So I don't know. It's not clear to me that Collective 2 suffers from that any more than any other investment strategy. Yeah, that does that does make a lot of sense. And I have like maybe maybe like advice that kind of circumvents that question, uh, but would still benefit investors on Collective 2, which is when people go onto the platform, like the, the average Collective 2 investor, like brand new to the platform, I would say they have more investment knowledge than the average person. Okay, so it, it might not be fair to just say they're just a complete newbie. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, but most investors, I think, don't know exactly what they want. When they look at the track record of a strategy with the various metrics, they they might gravitate to certain aspects of that strategy due to, you know, human emotional motiva- motivators. You know, they might see, oh my gosh, it's strategies up 90% in a month and they might overlook some of the other metrics that are important not because they don't care about those metrics but because they're just not they're not paying attention to them or they don't know what they actually want so i think what what would be helpful is to have some sort of questionnaire or some sort of process for the investor when they're just joining the platform for example if if you uh, signed up for a strategy and you encountered a 20% drawdown with your live funds, would you still, would you stick to the strategy? How would this make you feel? We could talk all day about like what that would look like. Uh, but I think if there was a system in place like that, and then the investors would only see uh, strategies that were congruent with their own and with their actual investment needs before they saw all of the strategies, I think that would be very helpful. Well, that is a a great idea, um, but let's talk a little inside baseball. I don't think we're allowed to do that. So what you have just described is an investment advisor, and we're not that. Uh, we can't be that for all sorts of reasons, not because we don't want to be, but because the nature of what we do isn't that. Um, we don't make suggestions to people based on them, um, like based on their personality or their risk tolerance or how much money they have or this or that. We are, you know, in the definite, in the kind of technical definition of what we do, you know, these, these regulations and definitions were, were kind of decades ago before the internet and before a lot of the technologies. But I think, you know, ultimately the nature of the structure is this, if you're, just publishing the same thing for everyone, then um, you're a publisher or whatever you want to a software developer. But if you're customizing what you do or present to people based on individual aspects of them, then you're different. Now that might be a good business, uh, but it's not our business. But that doesn't mean what you said is invalid or completely you know, not re- relevant. Because in fact, I, I do wanna address what you said. You said like, well, it's true that a lot of people who come to Collective 2, they're not absolute noobs when it comes to investing, they're fairly sophisticated, but when they come to the site and they're presented with the strategies available for them to automate in their brokerage or follow along or trade, they're going to, you know, they may not know what to look for, right? And they may be drawn to the shiny object, the, the, the statistic that's interesting, but perhaps not the most meaningful or the most important, mm-hmm. et cetera. And therefore, for those reasons, uh, there should be a, a better way. And, and the way you proposed, if, if you don't mind 
mind my saying it, I think what you proposed was, well, just ask the people like kind of to describe themselves essentially. And then based on what they answer, give them the right stuff. Okay. And I think my answer stands. I, I we can't really do that. It might be a great business. It might, it might be a better thing, but it's not, I don't think that's what people come to collect the two for. And certainly I don't think it's what we're tech, you know, allowed to do in the context of American regulations mm -hmm. based on who we are. Um, but that's not to say like, your point is is sort of not meaningful. I think actually that is exactly what we do, but we do it, we just kind of take the average kind of psychographic person we think is a collective to user or who should be. And we say, well, what would that person, what should that person care about? Obviously that's not quite the same thing as having a personalized conversation with people and saying, well, tell me you're, are you a, a risk averse or you, do you love risk or that's very different. But look, we know generally who should be using collected to it's someone who has some money and wants to speculate and, you know, we, they hope they're going to make money, but if they lose and there's always a possibility that they'll lose, it's not going to be the end of their world. That's who should be using collected to. And that's hopefully who is using collected to. And for those people, I think what we do try to do is present to them again, it's that question of, you know, the Amazon page, not to beat the dead horse. It's probably should have been dead about two hours ago, but like there's a limited number of pixels on a person's screen. So someone's got to decide like what to show. And uh, yes, of course, the user of the site can click and sort and and do what he needs or she needs to do to, to kind of decide what's in those pixels. But most people don't spend a ton of time clicking around and figuring it out and whatever. So whatever is that default view is terribly important. And to answer your question, I, I, I agree. I think that we have to use real care and thought. And because we are the experts, I mean, you know, my team, the people that work at Collected2, the quant people, the programmers, the data people, they're the experts, right? They've been at this a lot longer and it's much more um, central to their existence than some guy who may be a brilliant businessman, who may be a multimillionaire in his regular life, but he comes to Collected2 and this is not what he spends his days doing every day. So it's really our responsibility to present data or information in a way that's helpful. So. That's what we do. So, I mean, we literally like, I think you use the words, uh, there may be uh, statistics or metrics that are not readily apparent to people that, that maybe they need to educate them about them. Or I can tell you, we have done analysis about strategies um, and their track records. And are there signs of strategies that like are about to do very badly? And the answer is yes, there are. And it's not exactly what you think. I mean, yes, strategies that have performances that look like this, you know, down, uh, tend, to, <laughs> tend to continue along that path. But there are also strategies that go like this and um, sometimes um, then don't do well. And there are sometimes signs of those in, in, in very subtle metrics or statistics mm -hmm. about trading style, about leverage used, about how long trades are held, things oh, that yeah. most people don't really look at or even know how to find. I mean, the data is all there, but it's not you know, immediately obvious. So yes, we look at those things and that's part of what helps us decide where, you know, how to fill those pixels in the default. 
So it, yeah, it's not a perfect answer and you may be right. Like maybe there is a better business out there. It's like collective three or collective 2.5 <laughs> where we have uh, like intake interviews with everyone who comes to the platform and we say, oh yeah, it's very interesting. And then we decide what, what, what strategies they should be allowed to look at. It's not a bad idea. It's just not what we do currently and, and probably not really appropriate for the customers we have today. But we do make an effort to try to meet people halfway. Uh, the general average person that's out there. We try to make collective really useful for that person. And and perhaps meeting halfway could look something like offering different investment buckets. Like, do you you yeah buckets? Like do you remember how I made my own C two score mm -hmm. using the the custom the scoring workbench? I the think. scoring yeah the score I used the scoring workbench. I made my own C two score and I ran it and it returned the strategies that I already thought were the best ones. Uh -huh. So so perhaps investors on C2 can be given certain, like you said, buckets mm -hmm. of like, like the buckets would be like different inve investor styles, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, that, again, I don't want to get into too much about how the sausage is made. But look, every <laughs> conversation, every product design decision at Collective 2 is like, what do users think? What's going to work for the users? What's technically possible? And oh, by the way, what is what's allowed given our best understanding and our attorney's understanding of, of what the of what the regulations are and so sometimes those things are in tension with each other just to be perfectly candid like if i lived in a world where there was no regulations i think um i think honestly for me my company and the people I serve, the customer experience would be better, honest. But that doesn't mean I think regulations are bad. I, I think there are a lot of bad actors. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not one of them. But you know, I guess maybe everyone thinks that. But to your point, like, yeah, I don't even know, like that whole idea about buckets of like, are you a, are you this kind of investor? <laughs> well, okay. I mean, it's a re, I th personally think that's a pretty good idea. But it's the kind of thing where I would run that past our, our attorneys first. Like that's how, how careful we have to be in this world. I'm not saying we get everything right, but we certainly try our best to respect what the meaning is. So that is a, like, even that is a gray area, right? Yeah. To, to have that kind of interactivity. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, you could go to people and you could say, you could, if a regulator ever called us up and said, what are you doing? By the way, that's not what happens, right? Regulators don't call you up and say, why did you do this thing? And please explain what benefit it had for the customers. And then we get to say, well, we believe that by designing these buckets, uh, the customers can have a better experience. It's better, safer for the customer. That's not, I, I know that's what people think, uh, how regulators work or whatever. That's not how it works. How it works is there's some guy or gal in some office somewhere who subpoenas you and costs tens of thousands of dollars of legal bills just to it's like a proctology exam of like asking for records and this and stories and explanations and data and spreadsheets and and you know, there's no like, oh, you get to have a discussion about the pros and cons of this interesting approach about buckets. That's, there are no discussions about buckets for customers. There's just a guy who subpoenas you and 
ultimately, you know, in best case scenario says, oh, okay, it doesn't, they just disappear. That's best case scenario. So, I mean, if I sound a little gun shy about giving customers the opportunity to put themselves in buckets, this is why, because, you know, because it's a hard business. We're in a business where there are a lot of people that are out to um, make sure that everyone is playing by rules that are not always black and white and terribly well-defined. And that's their job is to, is to catch people violating rules that are not terribly defined. So I don't want to even mess with that. Um, I try my best to not be too creative and to be pretty careful. I, I should say, and it, it is true. Like I respect the intention behind regulation in general and specifically the people that regulate collective too. The intentions are all good. Like there are people that can be harmed very badly by, you know, themselves. by themselves, sure, <laughs> by dishonesty, by, you know, badly thought out uh, marketing. I mean, there's, there's a million ways that people can be harmed. And the, the regulations are honestly, the initial reason for them was to protect the vulnerable people. And sometimes the vulnerable people are, you know, they're not, they're not 80 year old grandmas. They're sometimes the vulnerable people are, you know, rich investors who just got misled by some charlatans. So you just have to be super careful and just try your best to respect the rules as they exist. So yeah, I, I wish we could do some things a little more creatively, but we're just doing the best we can given, given where we are. And I think, I think Collective 2 has done a really good job with what it can do in the past however many years. <laughs> okay, well, thanks, man. I mean, I appreciate that. It's a, um, you know, we're, we're always learning. I mean, I think the business, I, the business itself and the, and, the, and the software, the website and the platform, it's obviously changed over 20 years. I think it's gotten mostly better. We have customers that have been on the site, I keep throwing these numbers around, but it is really, sometimes I think about it, it's quite astounding. I mean, we've customers, customers that have been on the site for 20 years or something, or close to 20 years. I, I wanna be thoughtful about that. I don't know, it's exactly 20 years, but 10 or plus more years. So we must be doing something right for some of these people. And all I wish is that we can make sure that there are, for those people that were not you know, that it's not working out for, I, I, I just want there to be fewer of those, or I want the site to be even better for, for more people. So I think, you know, I appreciate your kind words. I hope we continue to, you know, evolve and make it better. And we attract people, you know, are appropriate for the site and that we help them. I'm ready, I guess, are you recording? Or let me double check that and make sure I'm recording. <laughs> because that it would... says recording in the top left, so yeah, I think yeah, we're yeah, okay. Yeah. It says it, but does it mean it? All right, all right, all right, let's do it. Um, okay, so I don't know. I mean, it sounds, you know, I have a tendency to, uh, well, ramble, but um, if you, uh, it's, I mean, there's probably some material here that could be usable, I'm guessing. Uh, oh, plenty of material. But I, I still have to, uh, I still have to go back and uh, introduce you because I never really did that. Oh, that sounds pretty good. I like that.